How y'all doing? You guys doing okay? Hey, can you help me give a warm welcome to our online family? What's up? So good to be with you. Okay, so I have a question for you. Have you ever talked to a really rude customer service rep? Yeah, I think most of us have. (laughs) I was on the phone with this uh, rep and I was trying to get a misplaced late fee refunded. And man, this person just had... She had attitude. She was like, I think she's in a bad mood. She, she made me feel like this was my fault. This was an inconvenience. And I don't know about you, but in these situations, I have to really hold myself back. Like I had to be like, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. You know, just hold it back. And we were going back and forth on being put on hold. And so she put me on hold one time and I'm like, you know what? I am going to talk to her manager. Like, this is ridiculous. And I started to think through, like, okay, what am I going to say to the manager? And then the Holy Spirit interrupted me. You need to pray for her. I was like, oh, man, she is in a bad mood. She's not going to want prayer. She's going to be like, "Uh, no, I don't want prayer. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you think she needs? And he's like, she needs my peace. So I was like, okay. So she came back on the phone, and she she thankfully resolved the, the issue And then I still hadn't decided whether I was going to do anything or not, but but she did that, what most customer service reps will do. She said, is there anything else I can help you with? And I saw what God was doing right there. I said, yeah, actually, there is one more thing. What's your name? She's like, Tanisha. I'm like, well, Tanisha, this might sound a little crazy, but I think God wants to give you peace over your life right now. Does that make sense? Do you mind if I pray for you? And to my surprise, she said, yes, I would really like that. Like her whole tone and demeanor just completely changed. And then she started to open up to me about several situations going on in her life that were causing her intense stress, intense anxiety, intense worry. And she goes, I I just welcome, I would welcome any kind of prayer. And so I started praying for her over those specific situations. And then I just sensed that I was supposed to pray peace over her. I'm like, you're going to start to feel God's peace over your body right now. And that that weight you're feeling is going to lift off. And I, I could hear her start to cry on the phone. Like the Holy Spirit was just touching her heart in such a powerful way. And so I, I ended the prayer and she said, thank you so much. This was like a, a divine moment I really needed. I really needed that. And I was like, Jesus just loves you so, so much. He's going to break through in your life. And, and we hung up. And I was like, God, thank you for interrupting me, Jesus. Like, thank you for showing me what you were doing in that moment. You know, every day, in every situation, we actually have an opportunity to see God. But if we're not tuned in, if we're easily affected by people's moods or their circumstances uh, or even our own bad moods, let's be real, right? We can start to go blind. Like I could have easily let Tanisha's bad mood shift my whole day. I could have even retaliated and talked to her manager and made her day way worse. 
And I am so thankful that I was open enough to see what God was doing in that moment. See, we're in a series called For They Shall See. And we're actually exploring an amazing prophetic promise from Jesus that says his followers, us as followers of Jesus, we will have eyes to see. That he's, he's opening our spiritual eyes to actually see. And where many times in the natural, all we can see is like pain or problems. What he wants to show us, hey, no, no, there's potential here. There's possibility. There's a promise here. He actually talks about this promise in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what I want to talk to talk about today. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want to see God? Are you satisfied with the amount of God that you're seeing in your life? See, I believe we're at the beginning of a revival. But if we're not looking with the right eyes, we can actually miss it. I'm not sure if many of you are aware about a month ago what happened at Asbury University, where eventually over 50,000 people flocked there to experience God. It was like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it actually spread to different universities and churches all over the world, actually. People were hungry for God. But you know, some people, they couldn't see what was happening, or maybe they wouldn't see what was happening because they were judging it. They kept critiquing it because it didn't look like they should, and it blinded them from seeing and receiving what God was doing. See, there are things that we can do to block our spiritual sight. And so I want to take some time to explore this a little bit. What does it take to see God? Let me just pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would open our hearts to your presence. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open our ears. Right now, just our spiritual senses. I just kind of bind confusion and cloudiness and fuzziness. I bind it right now. And God, I pray just an open heaven over this place that we would receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus stands up to thousands of people and he says this phrase, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Now, when I first read a verse like this, I don't know if this happens to you. I get a little stressed because I'm like, wow, I need to have a pure heart to see God. Well, my heart doesn't always feel pure. I get angry. I get frustrated. I get judgmental. I wish I could say that I always pray for a, a, a customer service rep that has a bad mood. I don't. So then I'm, I, I think, okay, I have to work to get this pure. I have to purify my heart. But then I start to feel this tension. I don't know if this happens to you. Because it doesn't match what I know Jesus did for me on the cross. See, there's a prophecy about what Jesus did concerning our hearts, that this is what he accomplished on the cross. Listen to what Ezekiel says. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. See, this is actually what Jesus has already done for us. 
Like when you said yes to Jesus, he gave you a new heart. So then why doesn't it always feel that way? Why do we have trouble seeing God? There's a paradox here. There's a tension here. So I want to break down this verse a little bit. Blessed are the pure in heart. To see, okay, what what do you actually mean, Jesus? Well, when you look at the word pure, we probably think, okay, clean. And it does mean clean. But when you look at the root of this word, this Greek word, it actually means purified by fire. Mm, That's a little more intense. Like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit. Okay, that's, that's a little deeper than clean, right? And then he says heart, pure in heart. Well, he's not talking about our physical heart. He's talking about our spiritual heart. Now listen to what the definition of this says. This is the center of your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your appetites, your affections, your purposes, and your endeavors. Wow, that's pretty much everything. So what it means to be pure in heart is that you're actually letting God continue to prune your new heart, set it on fire, like continually prune your thoughts, your passions, your desires, your affections, your purposes. And and those that let that happen says, for they shall see God. Now, he doesn't say, you shall see God. Isn't that interesting? See, you will see the most clearly in community. There's a strong lie out there that says you don't need the church, that you don't need the body of Christ, right? But it's actually not true. This is not a Lone Ranger thing, not Lone Ranger relationship. You will see the most clearly in community. So he's clear when he says, for they shall see. Well, what does it mean to see? Well, the Greek word, it actually means to perceive or to know. And that that seems pretty straightforward. But when I read the deeper definition, it actually means this, to be acquainted with by experience. You see, seeing is experiencing God. You know what experience is? It's encounter. It's an encounter with God. You know, you can know someone and then you can know someone, right? It's another thing to experience someone, not just know about them. So if I were to retranslate this or put the deeper meaning, it's, it's blessed are the ones who let their thoughts, affections, desires, and purposes be purified by the fire of God. For they will know and experience God in a real and tangible way. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, I think many of us want to see God. But we get carried away in our thoughts, our passions, our purposes. Like we start to go our own way. We start to make our own plans and we let things like judgment and pride into our hearts that shouldn't be there. And it puts blinders on our spiritual eyes. We stop letting him prune. We stop letting him set us on fire. And then we're like, where are you, God? Like, I can't see you. Where did you go? Where are you in this situation? You ever, you ever pray that prayer? I have. God, I can't see you right now. Where are you? And they're not bad prayers. But see, what Jesus is showing us is that seeing is a fruit of the pure in heart. It's letting that new heart 
You know, you have a new heart. Now, I know some of you feel like you still have a stubborn heart, but you don't. He's removed that stony, stubborn heart, and he's giving you a new heart. He gave you a new tender, I love that, tender and responsive heart. What that means is that your heart is prunable. If you let some judgment get in there, oh, he's like, pluck, let's pull that out of there. If you let some pride get in there, he's like, you know, burn it up. See, when we let the Holy Spirit do this, there's a promise. You will see God. It's an automatic outcome of the tender and responsive heart. So the question, it really isn't, what do I need to do to see more of God? It's actually, what do I do to steward my pure heart? Because when we do that, we will see him. And so I want to talk about two ways today that I think are really going to help us. And that's being holy and being humble. So let's look at holy. I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He says this, make every effort to do two things, to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make every effort. That's a pretty powerful statement. Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, I could just stop right there. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? You know, I think sometimes we shy away from talking about this, about holiness, because it seems a little religious or rigid or legalistic. It seems like law instead of grace, right? And it kind of seems impossible. Like we can't make ourselves holy. Well, you know what the good news is? Jesus has made you holy. What he did on the cross is a success. He accomplished what he set out to accomplish. Listen to what Paul tells the Colossians. He says, yet now, that means like right now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, here we go. He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Did you hear that? Without a single fault. That's how you stand before God, right? So he's done the work. Our job here on earth is to learn to live in that reality. So what does it look like to be holy? Well, some definitions say to be sanctified. I just love, I love Christian words. Be sanctified. You know, doesn't it make you want to do that? Consecrated, it means dedicated. I'm sorry, I just couldn't help myself. It means to dedicate ourselves to God, but those are good definitions, but I actually want to look at this word holy a little deeper. Because when you look at the root meaning of holy, in its purest form, most theologians believe it means this, set apart for a specific purpose. See, I think those other definitions, they're okay, but they make you kind of look inward. But we need to rethink what it means to be holy. See, one of the most purifying things you could do to steward your pure heart is to let him set you apart. Ooh, that rhymes. Steward your pure heart, let him set you apart. You want to see more of God in your life? Let him set you apart. 
Like over the last two years, and probably even more this last six months, I've really tried to live my life this way. I'm like, Jesus, let me show who you are through my life. You can have my agenda. That's a big, that's a big thing. Like when I walk into a place, I've actually decided, I made a choice to say yes more than I say no. I, I still say no sometimes. I take risks, I try. I let him set me apart for his purposes. And let me just tell you this. If you live your life this way, you will see God everywhere. I mean, everywhere, even in your own home. And if there's anything that's impure, if there's anything that you've let in your heart, right, that's in there that shouldn't be in there, let me tell you the fastest way to get to remove those things, for God to remove those things is to live set apart for him. It's like you're right in the fire all the time. You know, I can tell you lots of stories just even recently, but I, I, how many of you have recently been on a plane? Anyone in the, in the last year or so? Yeah, a lot of people, right? It's a normal thing we do. Well, I was on a plane coming home from South Africa about five months ago. And, you know, I was so close to business class. Can, can you see that? I mean, you could touch it. You know, one day I am going to be on the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly on biz, in business class. I'm just saying. In Jesus' name. <laughs> So I'm sitting next to this uh, woman and, you know, I, I see her interacting with a flight attendant and she's talking about her medication that has to be refrigerated and she has to take the shot halfway through. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, oh, I should ask her about that. I should pray for her. And I'm kind of wrestling. I'm like, am I being too nosy? I don't know. So you go through all these thoughts and finally I'm just like, hey, would you mind me asking uh, what that shot is for? And she's like, oh, I have diabetes. And so I have to take these shots and has to be refrigerated and all this kind of stuff. And it actually sparked a really great conversation about family and business and all this stuff. And so midway through the flight, I said, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you? So I, I, she said, yeah, that would be great. And so I prayed and, you know, about her business, but I prayed specifically this. I said, I pray that your sugars would lower. And I speak to your pancreas right now that it would work correctly and that you wouldn't have to take the meds anymore. I prayed my best prayer. I said, amen. And then, you know, we just went on conversation and then we left, right? You know, you kind of move on with your life. Well, I connected with her on Instagram. And you know, you rarely get to see the results of prayers like that. But look at what she wrote back. The power of God and prayer. I loved our meeting on the plane. It was not by chance. It was God. My sugars have come down and I'm going to come off my medicine. That's Jesus right there, right? He heals diabetes. This is five months later, I find this out. Like, I think we need to redefine what living a holy life looks like. Set apart for him. Like, it's way more exciting. And you know how this has helped me? Well, there's a few ways. My fear of man is dying. You know, fear puts the blinders on your spiritual side like nothing else, like... And I'm just less afraid of what people think. My compassion is rising. Now, I'm a pretty agenda-driven person. So I'm like in and out of stores. I'm like, I get this. I I got places to go, you know, people to see, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of real life. Most of us are there. But I've realized all God needs is one moment. I'm in the checkout at Walmart. 
And the, the cashier, she's moving the stuff and she's like, oh man, my chest hurts. My chest just keeps hurting. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that, that's a, hello, the Lord wants to do something. I said, hey, how bad is your pain? Like high, medium, or low? She's like, it's medium high. It's really hurting. I'm like, let me see your hand. And I smiled at her. And then I said, you're gonna start to feel warmth on your chest where that pain, and that pain is just gonna go. And she was like, what the beep? She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> Literally happened. And I was like, where's your pain? She goes, what did you just do to me? I'm like, that was Jesus. Jesus just healed your pain. And he wants to heal every part of your life, just like he did that pain, right? And she's like, really? I'm like, yes, he loves you so much. Now the people in line were like, come on, man. You know, so this took about 45 seconds and I'm like, okay, bye, see you later. That's all it took. See, I'm seeing God everywhere, right? The eyes of my heart have been opened. Did you know that we're not citizens here on the earth? We are citizens of heaven, right? We are set apart. We're from a different world. We're carrying the presence of God that has the power to change someone's life. We are. So a simple way to practice holiness is the next time you go somewhere, how many of you are going to go to lunch after this? Anybody? Aren't you hungry? I'm hungry. So here's a simple thing to do. You walk in the place and you say, Jesus, set me apart. Set me apart for your purposes. What are you doing in this place? Now you watch what happens. It's not only going to purify your heart and put it on fire, but you watch what he does through you. It doesn't even have to be a perfect prayer. Help them, Lord. Fix it, Lord. Help. It doesn't matter. You watch what he does. He's going to move through you because you're not a citizen of the earth. You're a citizen of heaven. See, this is how he opens our spiritual eyes. We're set apart as holy. See, holiness actually gives us the ability to see God. That's the first way. Now, the second way I want to talk about, I think is equally important. The second way to steward our hearts is to be humble. See, humility gives us the ability to see God. It gives us the ability. I believe the, the mark of this move of God that started a month ago is marked with humility and holiness. Now, humility is all over the Bible. Be humble, be gentle, make allowance for each other's faults. And it's sometimes hard to, a, a little bit hard to define. Uh, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I really like that. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You'll have to think about that for a little bit. There's some powerful promises all throughout the Bible about humility. Look what God tells Solomon in 2 Chronicles. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now, I know there's, this is the Old Testament, right? But see, the promises of humility are the same. Humility attracts God's ears. 
Humility actually attracts his mercy. Humility attracts his healing. Like, wouldn't you agree that our land needs some healing? Do you think there needs to be healing in our land? Yes, it does, definitely. So how does humility help us see God? Well, sometimes it's, it's helpful to ask, well, what's the opposite of humility? What is it? Pride. That's right, you all know. Now, I don't know where I picked up these definitions. You know, I think it's like cultural Christianity or something. Like pride, we often think is thinking too highly of ourselves, right? Maybe arrogant. And then humility is, well, thinking appropriately lower of ourselves, right? Is that kind of what you all think of, pride, humility? Well, the problem with these definitions is where is the line? How high is too high? How low is too low? See, the enemy knows that humility is a key to seeing God. And so he wreaks havoc in our life. How dare you think you're so gifted? Oh, you thought you did that humbly. Well, everybody else thinks you're just arrogant or ambitious, right? And because we don't really know where the line is, we believe it. Well, maybe they're, maybe they're right. And he tries to lower and lower and lower where that line is until we don't even like ourselves. I know so many Christians that don't even like themselves, right? Maybe that's something you, you struggle with, right? But I want to suggest that we reframe how we think about these two things. What if the real definition of pride is not thinking too highly of myself, but thinking I can define myself? I am who I say I am. What if that was pride? I'm just going to say, our society really reinforces this narrative. Define your own reality. Define who you are. Define your sexuality. Define your gender, right? Man, labels are real popular right now. They're kind of crazy. This is what you have to call me. You're like, man, the world is obsessed with defining itself. I mean, we see it all over social media. We put out the best versions of ourselves. Like we put out the filter. I mean, I do this, I know. I mean, it's not all bad, but you get the point. See, so much of the culture is saying, you be you. You be who you wanna be. You be what you wanna be. I am who I say I am. And what they don't realize is that they're putting blinders on. They can't see. There's a reason that God writes this, this verse from James. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace to see. See, what if the opposite of pride, humility, is that we say, God gets to define who I am. That he's the one who defines who we are. That humility is actually simply accepting who God says we are. That he defines the line. That his word is the ultimate truth in our life. Do you know the, that the word says you are wonderfully and beautifully made? That God has precious thoughts. They actually outnumber the grains of sand. That's what God says about you. And so humility is just saying, I am who you say I am. See, humility gives us the ability to see God because we're actually letting him bring definition to our thoughts. 
You can bring definition to my passions and my desires and my appetites and my purposes. See, I believe this mark, of, this move of God is marked by humility, where, where people are going to abandon trying to define themselves because they realize it doesn't work. It leads them down a pit. They're not going to let the world define. They're going to say, Lord, I know you love me. I know you care so deeply about me. You can define me. That's actually what was happening at Asbury. I have a confession. I went to Asbury. Now, that's probably not shocking to most of you, but it was a little shocking to me because it's like five hours away. But I went because I knew God was doing something very unique and that doesn't happen every day. And so I grabbed my older boys and we went. And let me just tell you, that outpouring of God was marked by humility. People were just coming to the altar, confessing everything, giving their life to Jesus, and no one was even calling them to do that. Like Jesus was just leading it. It was, it was beautiful. Now, I, I think since I gave my life to Jesus, I, I've always wanted to be part of a revival. I mean, like who doesn't? But early on, you know, probably the first hour in, I noticed like they like, the spirit of God would just be moving in the room. And I was like, wow, this is so powerful. But then no one was really stewarding it. Like, it was like these tangible moments and then it would just like pass by. And I was like, you know, I lead the School of Kingdom Ministry. I, you know, we love the Holy Spirit here. We love to help people see what he's doing and partner, all that. But I would see these moments pass by and I started to get a little frustrated. I started to get, I started to judge what I was seeing. And I sense the spirit, hey, don't miss what I'm doing just because it doesn't look like you think it should. <sighs> oh, humility. Oh yeah, you're right, Jesus. You get to define this. You do, this is your thing. This is not my thing. And it was so good. It was like, okay, I can just receive. <laughs> you know, when you're a leader, it's just good to receive sometimes, Right? I just get to worship. I, I just participated. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. But then something happened that I never expected. This usher walks up to me and goes, hey, do you lead worship? And I was like, uh, yes. Hey, well, the leader of the worship here wanted to know if you'd be willing to lead worship for this. I was like, uh, there are 1,700 people here. How do you know that I lead worship? Like, I was just like, really like confounded. Like, what's happening here? She's like, I, I don't know. They just sent me up here. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, uh, okay. She goes, will you, will you do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. She goes, okay, well, go down there at 7.15 and you can talk to the leader then. And I sat down in my chair. I was like, Lord, you know me. You know this desire in my heart. Only, only you out of all these people. Wow. So I went down there. I talked to the leader. And there was a little bit of chaos down there, right? They've been going for 24-7 for seven days at this point. And she's like, hey, would you like to lead worship and help us? I'm like, sure. She goes, okay, just wait on the side. This is how it goes. You know, there's a team that'll go up and lead for a while. And then we'll pull you up, you know, in a little while. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. So I just worshiped. I was on the side of the stage and it was beautiful. There was testimonies and healing and just all this stuff was happening. You can kind of see a picture there. I mean, it was packed house. It was just a beautiful moment. And then about 
Two and a half hours go by, and I was like, maybe they don't need me. I mean, I didn't ask to come down here, so I was like, maybe I'll go back and sit with the people. I just didn't know. I was kind of just questioning. And finally, the leader comes over to me and says, hey, so things went way longer than we thought. I mean, that testimony and all that, it was all powerful, but we're actually working on the schedule for overnight, and we're wondering if you would lead worship from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I was like, oh. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I was like, okay. And she goes, oh, and one other thing. Um, you know, our staff has been going 24-7 for seven days now, and they haven't had a break. And so at 2 a.m., we're actually going to clear the auditorium. But we want to really steward what God is doing. So we, we want to continue the worship and prayer. And I was like, oh, so it'll be kind of like an audience of one. She goes, yeah, kind of like that. Would you do it? Now, I don't know if you can be totally excited and totally disappointed at the same time, but that's where I was. And I was wrestling in my heart in these, these few moments. And I was just like, oh God, I, I, I don't know what to do. And I just heard this still small voice in my heart that said, I'll be there. I can still feel it. It. I can still feel it. It's like, God's like, would you do this if it was just for me? Would you worship me if it, I was the only one that knew about it? And I was like, yes, Lord, of course I would do it. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I showed up at 2 a.m. and I worshiped my heart out to the worthy one, to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords, to the one who is worthy to be praised. And you can see the picture right there was to the audience of one. See, true revival opens the eyes of our heart like nothing else. And it was like a new level of humility that I just didn't expect. Like God was like, I see your passion I see this desire to be part of revival, but I want to prune your heart a little bit. I want to make sure your motives are totally pure. So I've invited you to be part of this, kind of one of your dreams, but it's just going to be you and me. And I'm so glad I said yes. Like I could have said no, Jesus would have still loved me, but I'm so glad I said yes. Like I'm, I'm seeing God at a, at a whole new level. Like, would you do it if it was just you and him? Would you do something for God if, if someone else was gonna get all the credit? If someone else would never, you know, no one else would ever see it. See, the second way that we steward our heart, our pure heart, is humility. And the fruit of that is we see God. Let me just tell you, there's an invitation here. We're, we're living in a time where God is ready to pour out his spirit. And there's an invitation here. Would you let him prune your heart, prune your thoughts, purify your appetites and desires? Would you let him define you? Not the world, not yourself. There's an invitation here for you to actually see God. You are not a citizen of the earth. You are a citizen of heaven. See, there, there's a promise here. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Would you stand to your feet? I just want to pray over you. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, this heart is yours. And so Holy Spirit, as we move into worship, Jesus, I thank you right now that you're going to start removing some of the obstacles, some of the places, some of the places that are just holding us back. God, I thank you that when you, we said yes to you, you set our heart on fire. And I'm just speaking to every heart in this room and say, burn. Let it burn. Let it ignite. Let the fire come, Lord. We bless what you're doing in every heart. And we thank you for this moment in time that we get to be a part, that we are here, set apart for your purposes. For such a time as this, we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.